guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti, and tonight's episode is an interesting one. It's a different different one. I guess, honestly, it's not very different. It's just, it's very targeted on one specific topic, which is femininity, and I'm going to really, really struggle saying that word um, many times during tonight's episode, so bear with me on that one, but it is a tricky word to say. Try saying femininity five times fast. It's very hard. Um, but anyway, tonight's episode is interesting in the fact that the inspiration for this episode came in a very different place than normal. Usually I get inspiration for the episodes, you know, in the shower, on the way to work, just, you know, in the city or in my DMs even. But tonight's episode, I actually got mostly inspired to create while I was at the gynecologist last week. <laughs> so I went to the gyno just for like a routine like checkup sort of situation, um, my birth control pills, just making sure everything's okay because I've been on the same pill for a long time and, you know, just a routine thing. And I was like, okay, I mean, New York City, I know, no secret, everyone's in a hurry, okay? It's like a fast-paced thing. It's like, you know, tough to, you know, spend time with small talk. It's just like everyone's on the go. And I swear I was in this guy in his office for 15 minutes, like, you know, total, like total appointment. Whereas in Maryland, my appointments would be like, so like, how are you doing? What's your diet? Like, you know, just like talking, like small talk, like, you know, kind of having a conversation. This guy, no, you know, had no time to waste. She just sticks her little device inside of me, like, whoop, like not even a warning. Like, okay, let's just, you know, prod you open. And I'm like, oh my God, getting poked and prodded. This is before work. So I went before work, um, went in a little late, but it was like 8.30 in the morning and I'm just getting, you know, prodded open at the gyno. And I know this isn't like an abnormal thing. Every, you know, woman goes through this process if they are lucky enough to be able to afford healthcare and or just afford a visit. So like I know it's not it's something I like should not take for granted, of course. It's something that not everyone gets to experience, but nonetheless, it's like a very invasive sort of thing just to figure out if you're healthy or not. And I was just like thinking about it, like laying there trying to think of anything but the whatever that thing is called that they put inside of you and, you know, spread you open. I, I don't know what it's called. I, I, it's in my, it was in my head earlier and I, I just forgot it, but I was just thinking, I'm like, this is such a, like a crazy thing that, that women have to do. Like I was in the waiting room before, beforehand, so many women in there just trying to squeeze in a gyno appointment to get birth control or just, you know, do whatever, check themselves out. You know, maybe some of them were really nervous about things they were going to hear from the gyno, things like that. And then we have to go to work after. And it's like this thing that like women do, like, you know, that we, we're super women. Like, I honestly say this a lot, or I think it a lot, just like how, how just powerful women are. And I'm, I'm happy that people are finally realizing that in, you know, in this decade of, or not even, but just this, this time frame versus other ones when, you know, women had a lot less rights, a lot less voice. People didn't really care about us as much as, you know, being figures of history. Mostly we were just, you know, housewives and whatever. And I was just thinking like, this is like a crazy, crazy thing, a crazy life that we live, you know, doing all of this, you know, having to just, I don't know. It's just, it's just a whole, I don't know. That was just kind of the, the initial thought. And then I was like, you know, on to work and the next thing. And I didn't really think much about it. And I was like, oh, okay. On to my next meeting of the day after getting poked and brought at the guy now. And then, you know, the other day I was reading in the news about the recent abortion ban in Georgia, you know, and I'm not going to get too political on the podcast ever because that's not my goal here. It's mostly just to chat and I mean, obviously, I want to chat about big issues, but, you know, it is politics. It's something that I never thought I would cover, but this is something I do feel passionate about. And I think if you are a woman, you should feel passionate about this because, you know, as much as we are taking steps forward and we are really, you know, growing as, you know, a gender, 
uh, we're also taking some steps backwards with, you know, laws like these where, you know, if you're six weeks pregnant, that's two weeks late on your period. You know, some people don't even know, like that's around the time where I'm like, hmm, maybe I should get a pregnancy test. Like I'm nervous type of thing. And you can't get an abortion in Georgia. And I just thought, you know, that's a whole nother topic, abortion. And, you know, how I feel about it is pretty obvious at this point. But, you know, I just thought that the whole concept of that was just just something to talk about, you know? I, I wanted to talk about femininity tonight ever since I went to the gyno. And after that experience of the gyno and then hearing this whole abortion ban thing in Georgia, I was just appalled at, you know, how much we have to go through as women. You know, dealing with men creating laws for us, mostly men creating laws for us, laws for our bodies, laws for things that we can and cannot do. And for decades, this has been the case. And we're finally getting some voice, you know, in this world, but it's just, you know, it's, it's when you need to, it's, it's, you need to stop and think sometimes about, you know, what does it mean to be a woman? You know, obviously there are the, the obvious differences between men and women, but truly, you know, I think that if more of us understand what it means to be a woman, you know, the power that we have in being a woman you know, if more people are aware of this and exert this type of energy and don't just go with the flow in their daily lives, you know, we will obviously and honestly make a difference. So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, that was kind of like a an intro, so to speak, but I'm also going to be talking about, um, so yeah, the topic of femininity. I'm going to butcher that a couple more times in this episode because it is a tough word to say. Try saying that five times fast. Um, But I asked you guys on my Instagram story, what do you guys think? You know, what does femininity mean to you? Um, And I got a lot of responses that I was expecting, some that I'm really, really aligned with that I'm going to talk about. Um, You know, power, being comfortable in her own skin, grace, not being defined by gender, um, embracing you know the more traditional image of femininity loving my body to be in touch with one's feelings and emotions not being afraid to show either strength or vulnerability um i'm reading a lot of these there's so many delicate you know some that i don't really i don't know if i agree with delicate it's a good word it's a pretty word i mean i think you can decide if you want to be delicate um and i'm gonna get into that but empowerment girly girl fiercely gentle again softness confidence, grace, so many things. And, you know, those are great. A lot of things I, I, like I said, agree with and some I don't, but, you know, I think that's the power in femininity. It's the idea that it's not going to be the same person to person. You know, we're not all going to agree with each other on what being feminine means because, you know, that's the whole nature of it. It's something that is not definable. Um, is that a word definable? It's not definitive. It's something that changes person to person. You know, for me, I think the beauty of femininity and what it means to me is the fact that we have the power to choose. And like I said, it was, you know, harder in different eras of life to actually do that. But I think now, especially now, we have the power to choose. We have the power to choose who we want to be. We have the power to choose to be a whole different person the next day, you know, and we we face adversity. We face these issues and, you know, little roadblocks in our lives and we do handle them with grace if we want to, not with grace if we don't want to, you know. It's one of those things where we don't have to explain ourselves to each other, to men, we we quite literally forge our own paths in life and we decide what we get to do with this life that we lead and we don't have to apologize for the choices that we make. And that is what it means to me 
you know, what femininity means to me. You know, I think it's crazy to think about it. I actually wrote down some uh, facts and figures. Look at me. I'm a historian here, basically, um, of, you know, what femininity meant to people in past, you know, eras and what it means to us now. And it was just astounding to me how different people view women in femininity, like themselves. This is like women you know, from their point of view, screw the men. We're not talking about them tonight. We're talking about women only, really. Um, and I read this study. It was a it was a British British study, and it said that fifty three percent of of women in the study said to be feminine it means quote unquote a good mother and caring. Forty one percent of the same people said delicate and sweet. And the same study was done fifty years later. I assume with different women, but, um, you know, they say now 58% think that women or what it means to be feminine, you know, femininity as a, as a whole means being independent, resilient, and ambitious. So it's just crazy how different people view it now. It's not all about being a homemaker. I mean, this is pretty like obvious knowledge. I mean, you can be, but you don't have to be. You're not limited to being the housewife, you know, in I Love Lucy that is ready, you know, in her little heels with a cocktail as soon as the husband gets home you know we're not limited limited to that anymore and it's beautiful but it's also scary because now we have so many choices and we're looked at in such a different way than men who have been doing these things for forever and ever and ever you know it's we're looked at differently you know politicians that are women are looked at differently um it's just, it's something that we're going to be going through. We're going to be scrutinized for everything we do in a different way because it's new for us. It's new territory. Even now, years and years and years after, you know, all of the rights that we've gotten, we're still facing adversity. We're still, you know, dealing with, with moments where we're looked at as, you know, oh, it's, it's, she's a girl, you know? And I remember that one campaign that Nike did. It wasn't Nike. It was some um, athletic brand. I think it was Nike that did like the like a girl campaign it's like oh you hit like a girl or you you run like a girl and it's like all these badass women being like yeah I run like a girl and I'm I'm awesome at it you know and it's it's just flipping the narrative which is so interesting and I you know working in the cosmetics industry which I do obviously it's well it's so empowering going to work every day because I work with mostly women so I see from a first-hand account at how amazing and how you know, like to, you know, to quote the women that were studied, you know, resilient and ambitious and independent women are and how, how I just like marvel in meetings sometimes uh, with like big execs and I'm sitting there and, you know, a woman like a director or like a leader of like a, a category, you know, the leader of the lip or not the lip, the, actually the leader, the head of the lip. I, I don't know why I said leader. The, the head of the lip department is actually a straight guy at L'Oreal, which is very interesting. I think it's awesome that he can see women's needs you know in a way that women do like he's so spot on with everything and so I really do value him in our team like it's actually I was just marveled at the first time I met him at how he understands a woman a woman's needs like he's taken the time to understand what a woman wants in her lipstick so that's that was just like an interesting thing that I learned and that you guys are probably interested to hear about but anyway I'm sitting in these meetings a lot of times and I'm hearing these just badass smart women voicing these huge ideas and I just think to myself you know how many years ago were cosmetics brands lead like led leaded I almost just ruined that thought with a very poor grammatical choice led by men like how could men have like 
forefronted the cosmetics industry for so long cosmetics have been around for so long like how on earth I just think it's it's crazy I mean it's like obviously admirable that men could understand women but like truly did did they like I don't know I I was wasn't obviously around at that time but you know that got me to thinking about you know femininity in general and it was actually very spot on like I said with the podcast a lot of these you know episodes come from just like very perfectly randomly but perfectly curated moments in my life where I'm like wow this all fits into one idea brilliant let's record so last week um after the gyno incident (laughs) I went to this um seminar with my team from from work um we went after work one day and it was the um there's an author Rachel Felder and she wrote a book called the what was it called um the power of red lipstick or it's something about I think it's the power of red lipstick I think it's what it's called um but her seminar was also called the power of red lipstick and she basically gave an hour amazing talk she's an amazing speaker like everything she said just flowed so perfectly I wasn't bored once and I was like very very upset with myself that I didn't didn't bring my notebook because I couldn't write anything down so I was just like making mental notes and you know I wrote some stuff down in my notes of my phone which I actually looked into one of the people that she talked about in great detail um but she was talking about the power of lip, red lipstick and how you know in different phases of history red lipstick gave women a power that they didn't that men didn't have that men did not possess it was their secret weapon it was the thing that they could put on and they could decide how they felt you know maybe they didn't have control over every instance in their life and you know in in past times like you know she mentioned the era of cleopatra and you know the 1950s and even earlier than that you know during the the wars you know how red lipstick was something that you know they couldn't control everything in their lives but they can control their lipstick and they wanted a lipstick they could count on and like things like that it was just so eye-opening going to this talk and i highly recommend you guys pick up a copy of the book um i'm pretty certain it's the power of red lipstick if i if it's not i'm gonna edit this part but if it's if this part's still in here it's that's what it's called (laughs) um but yeah so she talked about this amazing woman during her talk and I was just you know she talked about a lot of people during her talk but this person this one individual really stuck out to me in her stories um for many reasons but I'll, I'll get into the obvious reason um now I guess um her name was Hazel Bishop Hazel Gladys Gladys Bishop sorry I'm really bad at like reading words that I have only ever read in my head out loud um you know, people don't often think of her when they think of red lipstick. I don't think any of you guys, maybe unless you're really, really into the history of, of cosmetics, have ever heard Hazel Bishop's name. But you've heard names like Revlon and you've heard names like obviously, hopefully L'Oreal and, you know, all the, the new indie brands that are out now. You hear, you know, all these brands, but you don't hear about Hazel Bishop. And Hazel Bishop was actually a very key leader in the lipstick department um, of the of history of the world. She, you know, really... Has, she changed how lipstick was made, how it was viewed in her time, and it it's obviously made way for all the products that we have now, and I think it was so, her story is so interesting. So basically, she, you know, grew up and went to, you know, study chemistry. So she was studying chemistry, all the things that come along with that. She really wanted to be a doctor, going to medicine after college, um, and then, you know, obviously in that time it was like the 1920s or so and there was the huge stock market crash in 1929 and it really rerouted her life because for whatever reason she couldn't go into medicine at that time obviously it was a crazy um, economic you know it was it was a crazy economic situation and so she just wasn't able to go into the career of her choice so instead of you know giving up completely she decided to be um, a research assistant for um, someone who would I don't know what the person's name I didn't write it down but 
Um, it was a, a founder of All May. If you guys know that brand, um, or one of the founders of All May, or did a lot of research for All May. Um, so she, you know, got a little bit of exposure to the cosmetics industry through that. She was into like or learning about dermatology, a lot of um, things that she wasn't thinking she was going to get into, but instead of just completely accepting defeat with her, you know, previous career path being kind of shattered, she decided to reroute and she became really interested in cosmetics, specifically lipstick and red lipstick. Um, I love red lipstick. I wear it all the time. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys would know that. Um, And I very much only choose red lipsticks that I know will not you know, come off all over my face, all over my clothes. L'Oreal has some great ones, uh, not to be, I mean, I'm a little biased here, but really great long wearing lipsticks. Um, But basically, I mean, this is something that Rachel um, talked, discussed in her talk about the book. She said that red lipstick was huge um, during the World War, Second World War, um, because, you know, at a time where a lot of things were being rationed. So, you know, obviously food, resources, anything that was going into creating war materials. So like nylon, nylon stockings were rationed, um, which nylon, you know, made women feel beautiful. But one thing that was not rationed, that was still able to be purchased and, you know, just used, you know, as much as people wanted to was red lipstick because, you know, people felt, men that were creating these rules, <laughs> felt that red lipstick, you know, increased the war morale and women would not feel confident in the country if they could not have their red lipstick to, you know, just get them through their day, maybe, you know, kind of give some sort of semblance of normalcy in their lives, you know, one of their daily routine elements that wasn't completely ruined you know, with the war. So that was a little interesting, you know, a little tidbit. So so, um, Hazel was alive during this time. So she was, you know, experimenting with with red lipstick, you know, aside from all the the war and everything going on. But, um, you know, she, she had known a lot about lipstick and had known how much, you know, lipstick of that time wasn't really up to the standards that women deserve. Because, you know, if you think about lipstick, like there's some that you've obviously maybe tried that just don't stay put and if you eat something it just gets all over whatever you're eating and like I don't even want to talk about how much lipstick that people have probably digested or like you know how much lipstick is just sitting in your stomach like I don't know if you can digest that um you know just from having lipsticks like those that just come off all over your food and so she you know saw that she saw how like it was just not I mean we call it now transfer proof but you know, lipstick was transferring all over whatever. If you're kissing a guy, it would get all over his face. And like, it, you know, it became something that women didn't really have ownership of where their lipstick was going. It wasn't, they didn't have control of the lipstick. And she hated that. And she was like, there's got to be a way that we can create a product that, you know, women can control and women can feel confident knowing that they can do all of the tasks of their day to day and still have their lipstick intact. So she worked, um, you know, as with her chemistry background, and with her um, research assistant position, she worked on developing a formula of lipstick, of red lipstick and other shades uh, eventually, um, that weren't, that were transfer proof, that were kiss proof, that were, you know, you could be confident in your lipstick. And she actually revolutionized the advertising for lipsticks. And she, she just, you know, gave a, a feminine spin on the industry that was primarily led by men at the time. And she was just fearless about it. You know, and the reason why we don't hear about her often is because Revlon came in and, you know, outbought her in advertising and, you know, she had some issues with her business partner and a lot of things happened and, you know, eventually her name is kind of wiped clean from history. Um, Luckily, there's a lot of, you know, accounts in New York Times did an article about her. Um, 
I don't, I think it was in the eighties or nineties or something. Uh, I did a little bit of research before talking about this, but something else interesting that she did in her brand was instead of naming the lipsticks after, you know, fantasy names, like, I don't know, red hot kiss or like romantic stuff or, you know, anything kind of whimsical and fantasy that didn't really describe the color, which You know, she said, she made a point of saying that women, you know, want information about their lipsticks when they're buying, not a prose poem. That's actually what she said. You know, she wanted it to be easy for women to find their shade and not, you know, have to guess with all these like whimsical names that men created to make, you know, women seem, you know, sexier and things like that, you know. And so she was very focused on just making women feel confident in what they were wearing and how they were wearing it. And it just, you know... It exploded and she became so popular in the industry, obviously before things went south. But, you know, I think it's important to talk about women like these because they did make strides for us in times where, you know, it wasn't so easy to be a woman. All right, guys. So I'm going to quickly introduce tonight's sponsor for the episode. Tonight's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh, which I've talked about many times before. Basically, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-determined meals for you guys and for me on a weekly basis. You can sign up for a subscription and everything, all the hard work of shopping, meal prepping, designing, and planning your meals is done for you and delivered right to your front door super easy you can make delicious meals i made fajitas the other week with my friend shay it was a very fun experience we didn't have to go shopping or anything you know because i have a very busy busy day today and don't have time to go grocery shopping so hellofresh does all the heavy lifting for me all of the meals in the plan um, are made in 30 minutes or less which is great if you don't have a ton of time on your hands like myself Um, and you have three different plans to choose from they have classic veggie and family with the option to switch between um, when your tastes change and it's really great for when you want to get out of a recipe rut and try new things. I feel like I oftentimes make the same food for myself over and over again, so it's really great to get new suggestions and you don't have to do any of the the hard work of, you know, buying anything. They just bring everything to your front door and you can make new recipes you've never tried before and it's super easy to sign up. As always, I do have a special deal for you guys for $80 off of your first month of HelloFresh. Go to hellofresh.com slash B. that's K-A-T-Y, B as in boy, 80, 80, and enter the promo code KDB80 for $80 off of your first month of HelloFresh. So definitely check them out. It makes conquering the kitchen an easy task, which I never thought I'd be able to say. So yeah, HelloFresh.com slash KDB80. And my code is KDB80. So use that at checkout. Get $80 off of your first month. And that's it for tonight's sponsor. Thank you, HelloFresh. All right, so I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about a different different angle, different spin on femininity and how it relates to masculinity and how it can be possible to think both ways even as a woman, but how there is still mostly power in being feminine as a woman. Okay, this is going to sound confusing until I like get into what I'm talking about. So I saw this one TED Talk by Michelle Miller. Um, That's her name. Highly recommend watching it or listening to it after this podcast because it really, really does relate to what I'm talking about, but also kind of spins it in in a different way. You know, I love that I... I watch a lot of TED Talks and I listen to a lot of podcasts because I always think that I think things in one way and it's the right way and then I listen to someone talk about it a different way and I'm like, whoa, I could not have been more wrong or just narrow-minded and I wasn't thinking about the full picture because, you know, femininity, what it means 
you know, textbook definition. It's just like attributes or characteristics of a woman or what a woman is, you know, in characteristic form. And like I mentioned, it can be a number of things. It's different case by case, a different, you know, from one woman to the next. And I think that I fully stand by that. But the way that she described femininity versus masculinity was so interesting to me. She, you know, at first I was, you know, she described it as being, you know, femininity or feminine women, you know, having feminine characteristics, you know, they're very experiential. They are very focused on experiences and how things taste and feel and, you know, things like that. Whereas men are so logical and rational and, you know, goal oriented and things like that. And she said she spent most of her life, you know, working in finance, being that, that minded, you know, being logical and everything she did in her relationships, in her day-to-day routine, you know, focused on money and power and, you know, status and things like that. And she didn't really live life for the experience part of it. And I think people hear that differentiation of, you know, femininity being experiential and, you know, very whimsical and things like that. And they think that that equals, you know, less, less power or less strength than the masculine, you know, definition by what she said in her pod in her podcast in her TED talk and that's what I initially thought you know I was like oh I don't know if I agree with her because she's insinuating that femininity is all you know sunshine and butterflies and and you know being masculine is where you get the power and the strength and the you know etc and then she went on to describe it and she was saying that she lived her life so focused on the masculine quote-unquote you know by her definition, masculine or ideals, you know, like status and money and power and finance and such. And she felt like she was, she just didn't have any creativity in her life. And she didn't feel like there was any room to, to play and to experience life. And that sounds like really miserable to me, honestly, living a life fully, you know, directed by, you know, what you need to do to get you know, to be on top and to succeed and whatever. And not to say that women don't follow that path in some way or another, but I think that life is not full without having the experiences. You know, she equated it to coffee and she was like, you know, with coffee, drinking coffee, you know, femininity, the feminine aspect of drinking coffee is the experience of it. You know, the smell of the coffee shop, the the brew and the tasting and, you know, to see that sort of element, whereas the masculine you know, characteristic of coffee is the caffeine and how it, you know, helps you, you know, plow through work and whatever. And she's like, you know, she said that and I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I don't know if I agree, but that's interesting. Now I do agree with it because I think that the mistake, you know, femininity is characteristics of women. But I think that we forget that women can have masculine characteristics and men can have feminine characteristics they might not want to call it those things and you know I'm still sitting here hours and hours later after seeing that TED talk debating in my mind if I agree still like I think I do I'm not sure because you know I I do obviously agree in the with the idea that I think personally femininity is different to me than it is to you and that sort of thing and we can define it but I don't know how I feel about you know, I, masculinity being described as, you know, this one thing and femininity, it's just, it's just so interesting to grasp because I think men, you know, think of themselves one way, women and think of, you know, themselves another way. And a lot of the characteristics sometimes overlap. You know, we think 
that you know femininity can be strength and I think it is and it can be being you know harsh and hard and whatever you want it to be it really can and so it's really tough but it's it's interesting obviously hearing it from her point of view and just hearing other you know other point of views about it but I I I just you know wanted to give that as a food for thought little notion there you know she so exciting and interesting for her she went on to do something that scared her which I talked about I think last week where I was like you have to do things that scare you in life and you can't always be comfortable and she quit her finance job and she went to take a creative writing class you know really embracing the experiential parts of life that she never experienced before and you know dealing with creative things and things that weren't you know part of her day-to-day in finance and she experienced femininity firsthand which scared her she said because she had no experience in that area and she was very rational thinking and she didn't really know where to start with you know telling stories and things like that and now fast forward I don't even know how many years I don't know how old she is but now she's you know writing books and she's publishing books and that's a whole new career change for her and I think that you know her story's great because first of all her talk really opened my eyes to things and made me think differently about femininity but also I think similar to Hazel's story you know the lipstick girl love her um you know, she altered her path, she changed paths. And I think that shows a lot of courage and a lot of strength. You know, a lot of, she just faced her fear and did what, you know, something that was uncomfortable that just felt like it suited her better, you know, than maybe what is glaring in our faces, you know, the the money and the status and the power. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are kind of demanding our attention in this life. And it's up to us to decide what gets our attention. You know, a lot of things in this life are pulling our hands towards their you know, direction and we get to decide ultimately if we're going to, you know, let them pull our hand in that way. And that's something that is amazing that we get to do these days. You know, and she said, she was like, you know, I chose this masculine path for so long and it made me feel kind of guilty, you know, because of all the paths that were paved by women, you know, prior to us. And she felt guilty not taking advantage of those things, you know, and living in this masculine mindset. And that's what ultimately kind of made her shift her opinion. And, you know, obviously I kind of just paraphrase. She said a lot of other amazing things in her podcast. Or Why do I keep saying podcast? Maybe she has a podcast. I don't know. But her TED Talk, which was really interesting. But, you know, I just wanted to pick your brain with that concept of femininity versus masculinity and how it differs. And, you know, why are we afraid of being labeled as feminine? Because I think there is a fear aspect, you know. She even kind of alluded to this in her in her episode. But, you know, there's a fear of being labeled as too, as feminine because, you know, if people are you know quote unquote too feminine too whimsical too you know dainty you know they won't be treated with respect or they won't be taken seriously and I think you know I I saw this one submission one of you guys sent in for um I asked you guys on my dms about femininity and someone said you know femininity doesn't have to compete with masculinity it just you know it's recognized as different it's its own kind of wonder and I do completely agree with that you know I think that femininity is something that women have that you know men like I said kind of a little earlier you know men can be feminine that's totally fine in this you know fluid day and age where you can be whatever you want to be but I think that there is something to say about you know femininity and women it's something that we have that men cannot take away from us without us wanting it taken away it's something that we can portray loud and proud and I think that I mean, I've seen many articles in my my hunt for research on this, you know, people saying that women are losing their femininity and they're losing the confidence to be feminine because, 
you know, like I just mentioned, masculinity is kind of the dominating, maybe not the, they're the dominating kind of um, mentality. At least here in New York, I feel it on a very, very loud level, you know, of despite the fact that there's so many female leaders in the company that I work for, I just see it in, in the city, you know, the masculine ideals of, you know, competition and, you know, just being loud and being relentless and just, you know, really chasing what you want and like what, you know, those, those things can be obviously adopted by women, those mentalities. But I think that, you know, like Michelle said in her TED talk, we're kind of losing the, the interest in being whimsical and being, you know, experiential people. And I think that there's just a fear aspect, like I just said, but also there's just, you know, we're looking at how other people are living their lives and we just, we're kind of, we're losing, losing the femininity aspect and we're losing the, the confidence, I think, in some respects. I think that there's a lot of people doing great things and making strides for the confidence in women and, and being feminine, but I think that it's something that we need to adopt on a personal level and not be ashamed for the things that make us feminine. You know, not feel like we need to, you know, rewire ourselves. Because, you know, if if all of us were men in this world, if there were no more women, there would no there would not be any more men. You know, we we quite literally create this world of men and women. So, you know, without us, without what makes us women and feminine, you know, there is no world without us. And we have to remind ourselves of that. You know, I I've had like little moments in life where I've been a little bit ashamed to be a woman. Um, maybe not like to be, I'll just, I'll just tell you how I feel. You know, sometimes when, you know, back in the day, even kind of, not really now anymore, honestly, not really now. I don't really have time for it any, anymore. But back in the day when I was first buying tampons, I just, I would, oh, I'd get so skeeved out about it. Like I'd get nervous because like my mom would buy me tampons like throughout my like early life. But then when I got to college, I had to obviously do those things myself. And I got really nervous about, you know, going to the store and having to put them on the, on the conveyor belt. Even sometimes I would like, I would, you know, to be honest, guys, on the low, Target has great underwear, okay? Like, I honestly loved buying new underwear from Target because it's cheap, it's, you know, pretty and lacy, it's like what I usually buy from Airy, Victoria's Secret, whatever, but it's like way cheaper and you can buy it in like bundles and it's just, it's nice sometimes when I'm like, I just need some fresh new underwear and I'm already buying X, Y, and Z, other things from Target. I don't really shop at Target anymore because there's like not really many around in New York, but back when I was in North Carolina at school, I go to Target all the time. I was quite a Target um, expert at that point. I could like shop with my eyes closed, but anyway, I would buy underwear at Target and I would just feel really you know, once it got on the conveyor belt and like I was, I would I purposely try to find a woman cashier, that and the tampons. And I would just get so nervous when like a guy was handling my underwear. And I was like, oh, I was like, felt weird about it. I felt like kind of like, I don't know if I was like ashamed to be a woman in that, that, you know, instance, but I was just kind of like ashamed at, at that, you know, I don't know. I can't even put my finger on the exact feeling, but definitely with tampons, I was just, you know, I felt weird about the guy that was checking out my tampons thinking about, you know, me being on my period and like, yeah, I'm, I'm standing here bleeding right now inside and you can't, you can't tell, but I'm buying tampons, you know, like it's just like a weird, it was a weird concept for me. And now I'm kind of like no fucks about it. I, you know, when I have to get tampons, I'm like, oh, I have a million other things to do right now, but I need to buy these freaking tampons. So check me out quickly, please. 
but I remember, you know, having that fear or just that, that weird feeling in me where I was like, Ooh, I don't know if this feels, this doesn't feel comfortable to me. And it's, it's just crazy. Cause like, obviously guys don't feel that way. Maybe when they're buying condoms, I don't know. But like, even then it's like, Oh, he's getting laid. Like, that's awesome. You know? But for women, it's just like, it's just feels different. And I don't know if obviously I'm not a man, so I don't know how men feel when they're buying certain things at the store, but it's something that we do that they don't. And, you know, as much as I want to say, you know, we, it's it's femininity at the end of the day guys no matter what definition you see it as being it is characteristics of women and you can obviously in this day and age decide that you you know in your being want and are a woman and that is completely fine no matter what your genetic makeup is and just who you are but I think that once you decide you are a woman and you you have that you are that you are feminine like it is a feminine it it just goes hand in hand in my mind and you can have masculine you know little traits and etc and there is a gray area there but at the end of the day we own the the label of femininity as women and we need to give it a good name in the sense that we embrace it we embrace it for all of its forms how it differs from one to another but we also need to show men that in our femininity in what makes us different we are powerful and we are a force to be reckoned with even if some of us or most of us put experiences and feelings and things like that first because you know there are certainly careers where people thrive in that aspect you know journalism you know obviously is fact a lot of the, a lot of the times but a lot of the articles i like to read you know psychology is a lot of feeling and like it's just there's all sorts of power in you know femininity from that regard And I'm sorry that I'm butchering the word femininity so much. I'm really, really struggling over here trying to say it, but I really, really do obviously believe in it. And yeah, so I think that that's kind of me taking a crack at femininity as a whole. But I think that there's, you know, a few more things I want to address. And I think these are things that you need to just kind of repeat to yourself on a daily basis and really take to heart because, you know, if we are going to really stand as a united group of women that are trying to just live this life as equally as possible you know just trying to strive to live our lives in a way where we are not limited by being a woman we need to remember these things and I think top of line the first thing that I want to say is you cannot you got you got to stop apologizing okay stop saying sorry for things that you feel strongly about if you're going to have you know an outburst or you're going to raise your voice and really proclaim something do something that you feel so strongly about react in a way that you feel passionate and you're you feel strong in that moment you should not apologize for it you know unless obviously if it offends or you know you you know when you need to apologize you know when you've you know crossed the line in the sense that you you've hurt someone's feelings or things like that but in a sense especially in business or in sports or in politics if you make a proclamation that is just so you you should not apologize for offending someone or for, you know, being too loud or too expressive. There's that one commercial with Serena and like other athletes where they're doing like they're throwing their rackets, they're breaking things like during sports because of their reaction to a game. And, you know, women are in that moment are described as like, I don't know, temperamental and just barbaric or, or a number of things. And there are, you know, if men did that same thing, they would not be described in that way. And there's that there's that divide, you know, women are portrayed as different different beings in that sense and I think that you know that has got to stop we've got to stop apologizing for doing things with great feeling you know you you know when you need to apologize and when you do not owe an apology because it is something that you feel and that you are being limited or 
I don't know, compared in an unfair way. And so I think we got to stop apologizing, you know, in our day to day. Stop saying sorry so much. You know, I think everyone, men and women, but especially us, like I think that, you know, in, in my day to day, I've learned to substitute things, not say sorry so much, say, okay, thank you for pointing that out, but, or, okay, I'll work on that, but, or, you know, it just depending on, what the situation is, of course, you know, it all is dependent on what the situation is. I always say that, but I think, you know, you got to stop saying sorry for things that you aren't sorry about and that you shouldn't be sorry about. And I think that's important. That's important. And also you just, you, I say this time and time again, it's, you don't owe anyone an explanation for the things that you decide and the things that you are passionate about. You owe no explanation. You don't have to tell everyone everything you're doing you don't have to post it on social you don't have to you don't have to to you know you don't have to justify yourself you know you get to put out as much as you want to put out you get to say and do as much as you want and we need to remember that because if we don't and if we you know kind of shrink back and don't take those things you know as ours they will be taken from us so I think that's a really important thing to remember. Those both of those things, you know, stop apologizing and stop explaining yourself. Because, you know, I, I often experience men not apologizing and men not experience explaining themselves. So I think that we should get the same respect. So yeah, okay. That's the episode, guys. I'm tired. It's eleven o'clock at night and I need to go to bed because I'm a grandma and I have work tomorrow. But yeah, that's it for tonight's episode. I hope you guys maybe you know, got something from it, feel a little bit more empowered, you know, if you're a woman listening to this episode and I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye.